Alright, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Ready? Of course I'm ready. Alright, let's do it. Hello, everyone. Hi! Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. Absolutely. Welcome, welcome. I'm Hannah Green. I'm Mary Swartz. And we are here to fill your head full of all kinds of things you never knew you didn't need to know. Yeah, like confetti in a popcorn bucket. Woo! Start up in the air, it all falls down. I have no idea. <laughs> Don't ask. Move on. Just move on. Just move on. I don't know. I was kind of thinking maybe a glitter on top of the fan blades. Ooh, let's do it. And then I'll turn the heat up. And my husband will turn the fan on. Um, And then he'll kill us. We don't have to be here for it. And I have a GoPro. Is there a fan over your uh, bed? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. We could just, ooh. Plans yeah, okay. are being made. Ooh, yeah. Somebody's going to bail us out of jail. All right. <clears throat> All right. Well, we are about to... uh. Begin filling your head full of... I think we already have. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do you have a fact for us? I do. Okay, what's your fact? Okay. Uh, in Central and South America, there's a fruit that tastes like chocolate pudding. What? We need this. We need this. Uh, it is called a black sapote, and it tastes like chocolate and sweet custard. Oh, my It is God. native to Central and South America. We need this. Uh, yes. Let me mm. see if Amazon carries that. Hmm, I wonder if Rob can get us that. Is he the airplane pilot? He's the dude in Canada. He's, yeah. He's Mr. Jingleheimer Schmidt. Yes, he is. What? He has it? Uh, he's the produce buyer. Oh, that's right. Yeah. In fact, he can actually, and I may uh, acquire them, uh, he can get me lychees. <gasps> Ooh! All right. So... <clears throat> Here's my fact of the day, Mary. Okay. And oddly enough, this fact, without planning this, this fact ties into my story. Okay. Bananas float in rum, but they sink in cognac. Huh. That's weird. Yep. Interesting. All right. I have a little tidbit for us. Okay. So, there's a six-year-old. I'm not buying you a support tree. No? Nope. <laughs> I don't want the tree. I just want the fruit. Well... Why wouldn't you want the tree? Because they probably won't grow here. All right. Well, for two pounds of it, it's $70. Oh, my. All right. Never mind. <clears throat> okay. There's a six-year-old. Okay. And um, <clears throat> she's uh, she's very sweet. Her name is Madeline. And she, she wanted to get a pet. Okay. But she knew that she would probably have to have a special permit for this for this pet. So she decided that she would just cut through the red tape and she would get permission from animal control before she acquired her pet. Okay. So back in November, <clears throat> she wrote a letter to the Los Angeles County Department of Animal Care and Control and she just had a very straightforward request. All right? Okay. And this is what the letter says. Dear LA County, I would like your approval if I can have a unicorn in my backyard if I can find one. Please send me a letter in response. Oh, I bet you they did. Yes, they did. Oh, right. Yes. So the director, her name is Marsha, she obliged a few weeks later and she wrote back with good news. Yay! The department does, in fact, license unicorns, she said, under certain conditions. Now, these conditions must be met in order for Madeline to keep her unicorn. 
The conditions include polishing the unicorn's horn at least once a month, once a month with a soft cloth. Okay. Feeding it watermelon at least once a week because that is a unicorn's favorite treat. Covering it with only non-toxic and biodegradable sparkles and giving it regular access to sunlight, moonbeams, and rainbows. Now, they are confident that Madeline will meet the five requirements, so they also sent her a pre-approved unicorn license. (laughs) I love this! On pink paper with curly Q script, as well as a heart-shaped tag engraved with the words permanent unicorn license. Now, unicorns are very hard to find, so the department also sent Madeline a plush unicorn, which was wearing the tag, to keep her company during her search. That is so awesome. Yes, yes. I thought that was very, very sweet. It is shit like that that makes me believe in human people again. Oh, my God. That is so awesome. The director, Marsha, told the paper that this is the first time the department has ever received a request for a license for a unicorn or any other mythical creature in her more than two decades of working. She said that she and her colleagues deal with a lot of emotionally draining and life and death issues on the job. So, you know, this was definitely something that brightened their spirit. Wow, that's awesome. And they were very impressed that the first grader wanted to ask permission. Oh, hell yeah. Right? Oh my God, that's awesome. I love it. So Madeline's mom explained that she didn't want to discourage her when she asked for a unicorn. Right. right. So she explained to her that, you know, that, that might come down to getting the government to say it was okay. And Madeline just said okay, and she went off and wrote this little letter. I love it. Right? Awesome. Yep. Yep, exactly. Well, these two people could have used a couple of Madelines. Yep. It was a chilly fall night in Edmonton, Alberta, when two inmates, Kelsey, Marie Mast, and Samantha Tope, hopped the fence at the Edmonton Institution for Women and took off into the dark. The following evening, the pair arrived at a local business, appearing to be normal customers. Now, Jonathan and Rebecca Law are the owners of Side Quest Adventures. Oh, God. It's an escape room business where people pay to get thrown into a locked room that they must then figure out how to get out of. And we've done them, and they're yes. not... They're not always They're easy. not easy. You, like, have to have different kinds of brains because mm-hmm. all the puzzles don't operate on the same level. No. Rebecca says the two women asked all the standard questions about rates and what kind of different rooms they had. Questions that were answered for them by the police, who promptly burst in and hauled the duo off in handcuffs. The police then chose the super deluxe pro-level escape room back at the institution for the women. Free of charge. And the adventurers will get to play for free for the remainder of their sentences and a little bit more. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. You think because you got out of prison, you escaped out of prison, you can do an escape room? Totally different level. That's crazy. Totally different level. Oh, my God. Yes. All right. You ready for a story? I am ready for a story. Bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Yes, correct. (laughs) I almost started with, this story is bananas. (laughs) B-A-N-A-N-A-S. I think bananas are delicious. Izzy would have done that. I know she would have. Bananas are nutritious. Yes. They're easy to get. Yes. But what if I told you that once upon a time, bananas had a different reputation, a slightly less savory side. 
but one that a decent portion of the U.S. population found quite appealing. Good one. Good one. In 1966, the hit song Mellow Yellow was released, and for some bizarre reason, it soon became connected to the oddest phenomenon I have come across yet. Do you know what I'm talking about? Nope. You see, people somehow began to believe that the song was about smoking banana peels. No, it was not. Oh, my God. I'm not really sure how you make that connection, but that's okay. Where's Madeline when you need her? We'll get back to Mellow Yellow in a little bit. But for now, let's continue forward on our trip with the banana peel. In March 1967, an article was published in the Berkeley Barb newspaper about banana peels and their ability to make you high. It included a recipe for how to obtain the extract from a banana peel, and it was a sensation. Everyone wanted in on it. Oh, my God. Before long, it was difficult to even find bananas at the local markets. Not an exaggeration, by the way. The recipe went viral as much of, as much as it was possible to do in those days. It was reprinted in Los Angeles, San Francisco, Seattle, Austin, Detroit, and New York, just to name a few. The idea of smoking banana peels to get high was exactly what the people had been looking for. Cheap, easy to obtain. The high was described as anything from marijuana-like to opium-like. Most of the recipes that I found go something along these lines. Get 15 to 20 pounds of bananas. Jesus Christ, you eat a lot of bananas. Eat the bananas. <laughs> oh my God! And save the peels. How long does it take to eat 15 to 20 bananas? 15 to 20 Pounds. Oh, yes, pounds. <coughs> pounds. Oh, pounds. Yes. I can do two bananas. Here's the thing. In my experience, bananas react with people one of two ways. Either bananas constipate you or bananas make you poop. There doesn't seem to be a lot in between there. I have never had eaten enough bananas to find that out at one time. So the brat diet, which is what they recommend you give children who have diarrhea. Well, yeah, they bananas, recommend bananas, rice, applesauce, toast. Yeah, it didn't work for my son because my one son, when he eats bananas, it makes the, him poop. Wow. Yeah. Maybe it was the toast. No, it's banana. Trust me, it's bananas. <laughs> I am well aware it's bananas. Oof. And he likes bananas. Fifteen pounds worth. No. So yeah, so so you're gonna you're gonna take fifteen to twenty pounds of bananas, and eat, eat them all, and save the peels. In. Okay. Okay. It does not say eat them at one time. Maybe you're having a banana party. I don't know. A banana party. Scrape the inside of the peels to remove the fibrous material. Okay. Now at this point, some of the recipes say to add the scrapings to a pot with water and boil it down to a paste-like consistency. Spread the paste onto baking sheets. And some recipes skip the boiling part and simply say to spread the scrapings onto a baking sheet. Either way, you then dry it in the oven on low, or you can put it out in the sun, until it is completely dry. You crumble the dried material, which is now known as bananadine, into a powder. You put it into a pipe, or you roll it into a joint, and you smoke it. And some recipes indicate you may have to smoke a few joints to get your desired high. <laughs> I'm just picturing this in my head because I don't think that either one of us know how to pack pipe. And I'm for sure that neither one of us know how to roll a joint. Nope. But I've also never had any desire to smoke anything, so. 
Now, the public jumped onto the bandwagon. All right. There were smokeouts held at Berkeley. Ooh. There was a human be-in in New York on Easter Sunday, attended by 10,000 people and a two-foot-long wooden banana. Oh, my God. On August 8, 1967, the New York Times Magazine published an article titled, Cool Talk About Hard Drugs, and they featured banana dyeing in the article. The FDA announced that it was opening an investigation into banana peels. And in the meantime, banana mania continued. County Joe and the Fish Band. Never heard of them. No. No. That, yeah. Never heard of them. But County Joe and the Fish Band passed out 500 banana joints at a concert held in Berkeley in support of marijuana legalization. How many bananas? You have to skin to get 15 joints. 500 joints. 500. 500 joints. 500 joints. You can't even go there. They told the audience, it's banana. It gets you high. People believed them. The LA Free Press posted that in May 1967, Donald Arthur Snell of Santa Fe Springs, California, was arrested for driving under the influence of drugs. Yeah, banana peel. Others were arrested for suspicion of drug possession. Yeah, banana peel. It was getting a little out of here. In November 1967, New York University published a report from their own researchers that concluded that a chemical analysis of banana peel had found no intoxicating chemicals. Surprise! Children from the bus. It wasn't long after that that the FDA also released their findings that stated that there was absolutely no truth at all to the belief that smoking banana peels would make you high. And that banana dyeing is not a psychedelic drug in any way. <laughs> well, that's the government talking, so we don't have to believe them. That may have given people pause, but I wouldn't say that it caused the train to slide off the tracks at all. William Powell, the author of the Anarchist Cookbook, which I would guess most of our listeners have heard of, considering it's been in publication for more than 50 years now. Well, he included the recipe for banana dyeing in the book right there in the section for drugs. And obviously this crazy rumor still shows up on the internet way more often than it should for a population with the entire world's wealth of knowledge literally at their fingers. So why on earth did this even start? Well, the answer is actually not all that weird, but perhaps a bit misguided. This wasn't originally intended to be the hoax that it became. It was born out of a genuine questioning of the ethics surrounding the government pressing to make psychedelic drugs illegal and to prosecute those who used them. It arose from the question, if common bananas contained psychedelic properties, what would the government do? And so, banana dine was born. Oddly enough though, bananas do contain both serotonin and norepinephrine, which are also found in substances like LSD. Bananas simply don't contain enough of those substances to cross the blood-brain barrier. For the record, Regarding the anarchist cookbook, <clears throat> William Powell wrote the book when he was 19. He has publicly stated that he would like to see the book's publication ceased. Because the copyright for the book was taken out in the publisher's name instead of the author's name, William Powell has no legal right to stop the publication of the book. William Powell says that the book is misguided and potentially dangerous. Before we go, a few fun facts about bananas. As you know, I have to. Bananas, <clears throat> bananas, botanically speaking, are berries. They grow on a tree. 
They're a type of berry. Okay. Bananas are grown in 135 countries around the world. A lot. Bananas come in a large variety, not just the long, smooth yellow fruit most of us are probably picturing in our head. Right. There are wild varieties, too. <clears throat> they can be fuzzy. They can have bubblegum pink or green and white striped skin. That would be really cool to see. They can have fruit the color of orange sherbet. Ooh, that would be cool to see. And there's at least one variety that, if you cook it, tastes like strawberry. What most of us call a banana is actually a dessert banana, meant to be eaten raw. A cooking banana is known as a plantain. And this is true in almost every country except most of North America and Europe. Most of North America and Europe simply call bananas bananas and consider plantains to be like an entirely different thing. But actually, in all the rest of the world, you have a dessert banana and a plantain. Ripe bananas glow under UV light. <laughs> Surprisingly... <laughs> Bananas aren't all that high in potassium, despite what many of us have been told. A single banana only comes in at about 8% of your recommended daily allowance of potassium. Avocados come in at 21%, guava at 15%, watermelon at 14%, and kiwi at 12%. Watermelon has more potassium than bananas. That, yep. for a fruit like made a single... out of mostly water. Yeah. There are a lot of vegetables that have a higher potassium content than bananas as well, including sweet potatoes, spinach, and butternuts. Hmm. So if you are suffering from cramps and you think that, you know, eating a banana will fix it, there are actually better options out there. If you have a latex allergy, there's a good chance that you will have a reaction to banana. In 1988, the band The Dead Milkmen released a song called Smoke and Banana Peels. You can hear it on Spotify, or you can watch the video for it on YouTube. Oh, my God. Don't fear. Banana peels aren't entirely useless. A 2009 study showed that banana peel extract did decrease prostate enlargement in, in mice. While you can't get high from smoking bananas, you could, if you are feeling adventurous, enjoy a nice adult beverage from the humble fruit. Both banana beer and banana wine are a real thing. While uncommon here in the U.S., they are very popular in other parts of the world. You can find the recipes online, and there isn't anything about them that would be difficult for the average person to obtain. In fact, from what I've read about the banana wine, it makes a clear, slightly sparkling wine. I think that Mary and I are going to try to make a small batch, and we'll let you know how it turns out. Okay. By the way, one final note before we end this. Okay. Remember way back at the beginning when I said we'd get back to Mellow Yellow? Yep. That song wasn't about smoking banana peels. It also wasn't about the soft drink, which wasn't released until almost 12 years after the song came out. <clears throat> According to the artist of the song, Donovan, the song Mellow Yellow is about a yellow vibrator. The things you didn't need to know. <laughs> job yeah wow yeah so there you go all right with that we'll leave you guys with all that information to think about mull over talk about and share and if you also decide to make a small batch of banana wine we'd love to hear how it turns out for you it'd be awesome yeah have a fantastic day everyone we love you stay mischievous bye
just mad about saffron oh, Saffron's mad about me Mama just mad about saffron She's just mad about me They call me mellow yellow Quite rightly They call me mellow yellow Quite rightly They call me mellow yellow the time you spent with us today. Hopefully you learned something unusual today. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at tmsidntk at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter at tmsidntk, which are the initials for the title. Suggestions, ideas, comments, corrections, send them our way. We take them all. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please 
Feel free to follow the podcast, leave us a rating and review. That lets us know how we're doing and helps others to find us. This podcast is hosted by a couple of sisters who research, write, and edit their own stories. All other editing and production is done by Mary Swartz, and the original artwork was created by Hannah Green.